Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude in New York, New York, I'm Mario Francisco Robles. And I'm Brett Miro, and this is episode 162 of the Fanboy Podcast. Yes, and Brett, you, don't be so self-conscious about where you're broadcasting from. He's coming to you entirely pre-recorded from Massapequa, Long That's Island. Right. That's right. Long Island. Matsapequa. So, uh, yeah. Lots of pizza and bagels and all of that. But Brett, yes. uh, screw pizza and bagels. Tell me, what have you been playing or watching this past Well, week? I have watched a ton of things. I haven't really been playing anything interesting, so we'll just we'll, we'll skip that this week. Um, I've watched a, a million things. So uh, let's start off. So uh, first off, uh, in the DC front, I watched and finished The Sandman. Uh, on Netflix. And uh, so just, you know, for, for listeners, I have no background on the Sandman. I don't read the comics. I just know Neil Gaiman or Gaiman, however you pronounce his last name is like the author of it. And that's really all I knew. So I went in pretty blind and I loved the show. Um, It was amazing. Uh, I think it's, it's like about 10, 11 episodes long and uh, you know, about 45 minutes to an hour each episode. And it's pretty amazing how engaged it kept me without being this, um, like it wasn't necessarily like this big action packed, like, you know, uh, even though it's a comic, it's not really based on superheroes. It's a little more like mythological, but yeah, there were, there wasn't like all those like crazy actions and explosions. Um, but it still kept me very engaged. It was more of like a heady kind of watch. It made you think, Mm -hmm. um, they clearly spent um, uh, or gave them a, a, a really awesome budget. The visuals um, were absolutely stunning across the whole series. Like every episode was super high quality. The acting across the board was like phenomenal, even from some of the younger actors because um, there's kids, there's older folk, there's, you know, people in the middle. There's some, you know, some interesting characters. Uh, Patton Oswalt uh, does a, a voice of a raven in it and he's great. Um as you would expect. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed that series a lot. It kind of like after seeing that, I'm like, I kind of maybe want to read the comics or like get into them because it's a really, really interesting uh, story. I won't like summarize it here. You could just, you know, yeah. just fucking look it up, you know, uh, as we <laughs> say. So uh, that was excellent. So it comes highly recommended for me. Um, and by all accounts, just like seen online. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I, yeah. I remember a few years back covering stories about how. Uh, Joseph Gordon Leavitt was going to be adapting it and bringing it to the big screen and possibly playing the Sandman himself and all that stuff. And then that project went to like some kind of development hell. Yeah. And then it never really came to fruition. And then somehow that eventually turned into this TV series. So I'm glad that this project uh, ended up worth it. <laughs> yeah, and, and after seeing it, I don't I don't see how Joseph Gordon Levitt would have like really fit that role. I mean, yeah. it would have been probably a very different show. Um, I, I read some other interesting tidbits too that uh, uh the author uh, Neil uh, I'm, I'm gonna keep saying Gaiman, it's G A I M A N, so Gaiman. I don't know. Uh, he has been trying to make this show for quite a while, and supposedly like early 2000s they were gonna make a movie, and um. <laughs> I actually really like JGL. Don't put that. <laughs> he's going to see it and he's going to contact me. Uh, yes, but, yes, he is. I, yes. But um, yeah, apparently they were going to do a movie of this like a while ago. And a, a, supposedly the author like called up the studio and was like, please, please don't make this. Like, this is what you're doing about to do is like not good. Like, don't do it. And like, do it. they listened and they didn't do it. So that was like <laughs> kind of interesting. But 
Um, yeah, it looks like this was many years in the making and uh, it's excellent. And by all accounts from anecdotally, what I've seen online, a lot of people are saying it is a really faithful and, and really good uh, at adaption of the comics um, or graphic novels. So that's that's really cool. So it's like one of the, and you, hey, this is a DC property. Listen, we've had a lot of turmoil on like, you know, the superhero front, but this thing came out great. Uh, so I, yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping that they they make more. It's just it's a they they certainly left it off. They kind of closed off a story, but they left a, a place for it to go, and it was uh, it was very very cool. So that's okay. that's number one. So that's the Sandman. Uh, the other yeah. thing I checked out was I watched the first two episodes of the new Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power series on Amazon. Um, another one where you could see, yeah, they had a big budget. I mean, it, it, the visuals, <laughs> the, the the quality of the costumes, the makeup, I mean, everything is is really up there. It's uh, I'm really enjoying it so far, um, as I'm sure you probably, um, I say adaption versus adaptation. Really? Is that a thing? <laughs> I think they're both correct. No, Am I, I right? think they're both accepted. They are I both. Correct. I'm the other person. So you're the. Why do you want to add the extra syllable? Why do you want to do extra I'm the adaptation. work? You know, That's work smarter, not harder. You know what I mean? Uh, but Lord of the Rings, uh, <laughs> another great adaption um, of like the Cimmerillion and some of like the uh, unfinished works of Tolkien. Because uh, I don't know if you know like the whole weird thing with the rights. Like I guess Warner Brothers Legendary has the rights to the film version of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. But the actual literary rights are still with the Tolkien estate. Oh, but then I hadn't heard about Amazon that. only has the rights to the Cimmerillion, which is like the prequel to Lord of the Rings and um, some <laughs> of his like unfinished works and other like little writings. So that's yeah. really this really has to like be based off of that. I guess there are some things they cannot pull from the actual main series. Why do um, they call it Tolkien's little writings then? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Why do they? Why do they do that? Uh so yeah, anyway, like, you, you're killing my train of thought. So it, it's very good. Um, and I was going to say, I'm sure you have seen uh, a lot of the stupid, really stupid, ridiculous online uh, bullshit with the show. Um, just a bunch of, I'm, I'm not going to mince words here, racists that are mad that there are elves and dwarves and made up fantasy people that are not just white. That's literally why everyone's uh, in uproar. And I'm like, guys, the, the, the shit's it's made up and yeah. it, it doesn't matter at all. And it, it, it doesn't feel out of place at all. So if you're one of those people, like you're going out of your way to be a piece of shit and I see you and I want you to know that. Um, so and meanwhile, and meanwhile Neil yeah. Gaiman, since we're talking about him and yes. Sandman, he's been clapping back on social media. I've been noticing pointing out like when people say like, no, it's not a racist thing. It's just not how the character is described in the book. And then Gaiman comes up with like an actual, uh, you know, description from the book that yes. says he's, you know, it's an elf of a darker color and texture yeah. than the other. They say elves. the Harfoots, um, which are like kind of yeah. like proto hobbits. It says Dark like they have skin. nut brown skin. Like literally, yeah. that's like the actual quote. Exactly. So people yeah. are just absolutely you're you're just showing your true colors and then the more they try to explain how they're not being racist they somehow are more racist it's it's absolutely uh, amazing and <laughs> listen uh, i'm the just saying self-awareness right i see some of the comments i click on some of their profiles and see the other things they tweet and they're either bunch of name a bunch of names with a bunch of numbers after it that doesn't have a real picture of them. And you could see the types of things that they're retweeting. I'll yeah. leave it at that. Okay. So that's what it is. Yeah. Anyway, 
I've watched the first two episodes. That's all that's available right now. Uh, by the time this episode airs, the third episode will have come out. And I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, the show looks beautiful. Uh, acting's been great so far. Um, and uh, it, it's it's fun. It's a fun show, but also dark and serious. But And it's, yeah. it's, it's already got like some really intriguing stuff going on. A lot of cool little like subplots branching out. And uh, I think it's I think it's awesome. So I'm enjoying well, it. Did you see what HBO did to try to kneecap their premiere? <laughs> like, the Game so of Thrones vicious. prequel first episode on YouTube for free. Am I correct yeah. with that? They're Ridiculous. like, oh yeah, you're gonna launch Lord of the Rings, the Rings of yeah. Power. Still had 25 million like... views. I think on the first episode, it's the biggest Amazon launch. So the, no, don't let the the <laughs> the stupid nonsense online fool you and the review bombing. Yeah. The show is is definitely very good. I would say give it give it a shot. Um, you yeah. know, it, it don't don't okay. get turned off by that. Um, so that's been good. Uh, now what else? There's one other she thing. Hulk. Oh yes, and She Hulk. So um, I forgot if I talked about it like two weeks ago when like the first episode might have came out, but um, this is like the fourth episode was this week. I've been like, I was like, you know, enjoying it fine. It's growing on me. Um, I think it's fun. It's a half hour show. It goes by super quick and the show relies very heavily on the charm of Tatiana Maslany, the lead. And she is, she's very charming. I really, I really just think like there's something I enjoy watching her. She's fun. She's really got a good personality. Um, you know, it's got the MCU humor thing, but it is doing like something different. It's like a weekly, um, you know, case of the week kind of like procedural. And I think that's a neat little, you know, niche for it to fill. And this episode, this week's episode was, I thought was very funny. I enjoyed it a lot. There's been a lot of Wong in it and everyone loves Wong. It's cool. And uh, I love like the fourth wall breaking stuff. It's, it's actually the first, like here and there, like the first two episodes, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. But like this week, it like really landed for me. And um, listen, in some spots, the CG definitely hits that uncanny valley thing. And you're kind of like, oh, it looks kind of weird. I can tell just from looking at little. Yeah, but, but it's weird because there's a lot to overcome. There are some scenes where it looks like amazing, and then there are just yeah. some shots where it just doesn't really look good. It looks like they just look like too smooth and like you know not not real. So yeah. that can be distracting here and there. But I'm I'm trying to just be like, hey, let me enjoy the show. And if I'm just enjoying like the week to week little you know escapades, it's actually very fun. And, and like I said, this week this week episode really landed for me. And um, yeah. you know, I'm gonna keep watching. I, I think it's I think it's an enjoyable show, and it, it gives something a little different. Like I said, it's a, it's a really easy pill to swallow at a half hour um you know yeah. to stay with it and and like they've been having cool little 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 things popping around here and there um you know little references let me ask you you and... think it's something i could put on in front of uh in front of the kids the 11 year old girl and the eight-year-old boy um yeah absolutely yeah it doesn't they, it doesn't get too like raunchy or anything yeah it doesn't get too raunchy it's, all right good yeah you know, yeah, she's like dating that. in like one of the episodes but it doesn't get like any like doesn't really get risque or anything like that but you know it kind of plays that that uh a little borderline yeah so gotcha. uh yeah i think uh as far as like yeah all the geeky stuff that's what i have watched and um oh i'm, I'm gonna bring this up to one other thing so just because i've yeah. had i've i've had teenage mutant ninja turtles on the brain um there's been a <laughs> lot of there's been games coming out there's been a lot of little things um i checked out the teenage the rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles animated movie on netflix the other day okay and um i'm sorry to say Listen, I don't watch the show. I know there's like a Nickelodeon show now, right? Like the, with this like art style and everything. I I watched like a quarter of it and I just could not finish it. Could like I I first of all I I absolutely despise the art style. 
I, I cannot stand it. I don't like the way they look. It, yeah. it pulls definitely from the kind of the style of the Michael Bay movies. Like Raphael is like comically huge and they okay. all the other ones have like very weird proportions and they kind of have clothes on and stuff. But um, it's got this very blocky kind of like uh, cartoon network kind of animation style to it, which is not hitting for me. Um, ben Schwartz, who I love and I think is a great voice actor and I love him on Parks and Rec and I think he's great as Sonic. He actually voices Leonardo. And for me, it just does not – it just not quite fit. They've also made mm-hmm. some like interesting tweaks. Um, again, I don't watch the cartoon. I don't know if the cartoon was different from the movie because the movie has like this weird time travel element to it. So I don't know how much it connects to that. But – They've done some tweaks to the personalities of the turtles and which like, you know, I guess I'm not opposed to, but I, I'm not like in this one, Leonardo, rather than being like the kind of like self-serious leader, he's a little more arrogant and cocky, which I was mm. kind of like, that seems like more of a Raph thing. And Raph yeah. seems to be the one that's a little more like you need to be a good leader and is like more like trying to be on. So they kind of like swap that uh, Donatello is nerdy, but he also seems kind of snarky and ar- like they all kind of seem kind of snarky. And I was like, I don't know if I like any of these guys yeah. and I don't know if maybe I should finish the movie and they, they're going to, you know, listen, I'm sure if it's like over a series, maybe they start off this way and they grow more into the turtles we know and love. But for me, it just was not landing. They also made splinter like fat. Like he's like fat and like, sits on the couch. <laughs> he's like, he's like not like, like, in shape or like a, he looks like a lazy. I like the punk. idea that, you, but that's one of your critiques. You know, they made Splinter fat because it just, bullshit. it just doesn't fit. And yeah, and like they're just all different weird sizes. So yeah. I, I really, it was not clicking for me. So I was a little disappointed. Um, I think the way that the turtles were written is just fine, and it still works today. Yeah. And I wish they kind of would have stuck with that. I know I'm like the yeah. one. I'm usually always like, I don't care if they change things. I, I'm contradicting my own. I'm usually like, just have fun, enjoy it. But like yeah. for me, it just it wasn't clicking, you know. So um, I know there's another CG movie coming out next year that Seth Rogen is producing. Um, I'm hoping that hues more to the OG. Um, and also for those that are thinking or wondering, um, my uh, aside from the '90s one that I or '80s '90s Turtles animated show that I grew up on, um, the one that was on Nickelodeon that is CG. I think it came out around 2012. I absolutely love that series. With Sean Astin as Leonardo, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Actually, I think he might be Raphael. Leonardo, if I'm not oh. mistaken, was Jason Biggs. But then he That's said some one. weird stuff online. So he left <laughs> yeah. around like the second season and Seth Green took over. And his voice is a little weird, but they also kind of do like a meta commentary. Like your voice sounds different after he got like punched in the throat or something. So they kind of acknowledged it. But um, yeah. And also what's cool is Donatello is voiced, if I'm not mistaken, by um, Rob Paulson who was an original turtle voice from the 90s show. And oh, I think Raphael awesome. back in the day. Yeah. So yeah. he, and then I forgot who does Michelangelo, but whoever does Michelangelo is like amazing at Michelangelo. Like he does it. So it's like my favorite Michelangelo. Um, yeah. So just for people wondering, you can actually catch that one on Netflix. There's like three seasons. And what I love about that one is it was, you can watch it and a hundred percent, you know, it was made by people our age because there are a ton of references to the OG 90s show. There's also two crossover episodes with the nineties animated turtles with the original voice actors. And there's a ton of references to the movies and it is made for us. Like literally. And it's that like the way they look and and everything and their personalities are right on. And that's a damn good show. Damn good show. Yes. Um, so I was sad that I only got three seasons and they put this weird blocky 
I don't know. I don't, I, I was about to be mean. I don't, I don't like it, but you know what I mean? Like the, the, if you want to see a good one, go watch that one. It's, it's absolutely excellent. Absolutely excellent. Um, All right. so, yeah, so that, that's my, that's, that's my rant. Well, that segues perfectly into what I've been playing and watching. Cause uh, you know how you mentioned a few weeks ago that Konami released the Cowabunga collection. Yes. Uh, the Ninja Turtles, the classic arcade style Ninja Turtles games. And I told you that I, you know, my son and I recently got into those kind of beat em up style games like Double Dragon and uh, Streets of Rage and all right. that kind of stuff. So uh, I saw that was available. I bought it. But here's a word to the wise. I didn't even think about this. I bought it on the PS4 where I only have two controllers. Oh. But if I would have bought it on the Switch, yeah, exactly. I could have had four players, all four turtles. I could have my daughter play with us also and my wife. So I was kicking myself for that decision afterward. But I was not kicking myself for getting the collection. I didn't even realize how many games were on it when I bought it. I just saw games. That it had. It's insane. I mean, listen, it's 40 freaking dollars, but it's 13 games. And I didn't even realize that it has the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles NES game that was so hard. I never beat it. But there's so like a rewind idea. mode now. So you can like do rewind. Yeah. And I heard you can like yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of attempt to beat it. That game's absolutely awful. Great it's music. Brutal though. and it sucks. Banger soundtrack. <laughs> All I remember is like a swimming level that made me want to kill myself. Yeah, that's the one that but, everyone uh, wants to hit. Yeah. But yeah, but now I'm I'm intrigued now to try it at age 39. You know, when I tried it last time, I was probably six or seven and I said, screw it. Now I'm going to try that one. But I haven't picked it up was, yet, but uh, oh, there is online play. So when I do yes. get it, we should definitely maybe hop and do some Turtles yes. in Time or one of them. Oh, and we can absolutely. Do that I'll have absolutely. to get it for PlayStation, I guess. But uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what made it extra cool, though, is, listen, I played the one that I, I played a million times as a kid. The one that I played the most as a child was the Hyperstone Heist, the one that for uh, Sega, Genesis. Sega Genesis. I played that one. Yeah, yeah my cousins. <laughs> I played that one a million times, and, and I have not played it now in at least like 25 years. Yeah. And now I'm playing it with my... My son as my player too that's awesome. you know so we're going through the <laughs> levels and i'm remembering like oh well listen when we go past here there's going to be a pizza pie i need yeah. that okay because i'm weaker than you and oh and that car is going to roll out of the garage in a second so you got to get ready to jump like i remembered all the old tricks it was like it, it all came back to me real quick and uh there was even just this funny little thing you know i i I used to laugh that if you paused at the right time while doing a jump as the turtle, if you paused at the right time, you just see the turtle's ass. <laughs> like he's upside down. <laughs> I'll send you the picture. It's just that you see the turtle like is in like a fetal position, but in, on this pause, they're upside down and you just see their big turtle ass in the in, coming out of the shell. It cracks me up. That's amazing. Uh, and 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 I got to make that joke with my son. I got to be like, hey, Seb, watch this. I used to point it out to my friends back in the day. And now I'm showing my eight-year-old, hey, watch what happens when I pause it. And he laughed. And now I have on my phone a pause of me and my son as players one and two mid-jump with our asses out in a pause. It's it's uh <laughs> It's a very special full circle moment for me there. That's right? very good. Um, but uh, yes, and then on top of that, we beat it all in one sitting. Like I remember 
going through Hyperstone Heist by myself when I'm like 12 or 13, it was a stressful afternoon. Yeah. I would have to spend trying to get through this because you only get three continues and two lives per session in general. So you have like six lives to beat this very difficult game. And here I am with my son and we crushed that thing in under two hours. And it was that's like, awesome. Yes. Yes. So yeah. that was I don't know sweet. if you had uh, picked up also like so as turtle as turtle fans, we've been eating good with the games. We got the Cowbunga collection. And then about like a month or so ago, we got the the new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think I talked about it before. Shredder's Revenge, which is yeah. like a modern beat em up made like to be like the old school ones. And um, yeah. that's on on Game Pass for free if you have Xbox, or you can Ooh, buy it for like okay. might be twenty five bucks. You could buy it on Switch, PS four thing. But uh, mm. that's excellent and is just a big uh, homage to basically everything in the Cowabunga collection, but with more quality of life improvements, and it's a little sharper. And they uh, kind of yeah. made it a little more um, in depth with the way you can attack and uh, do different combos and moves and stuff. So, but yeah, right. just so much love. So we've been we've been eating good and. Uh, you know, I'm going to, there's a little bit more, but we're going to talk about it in a topic later. So <laughs> yes, yes, we are. The Ninja Turtles are quietly the, uh, the thesis of episode 162. Yeah, I guess so. But, uh, yes, yeah, so aside from the Cowabunga collection, I've also finally sunk my teeth more into Assassin's Creed Valhalla and, uh, it's working its magic on me. I'm really digging it. It's a lot like Black Flag, but with Vikings. Yeah. So, uh, I'm very much into it. I hear we deal with Thor and Odin at some point in the game and all kinds of craziness. Yeah. So I can't wait to dig deeper into that, like Viking lore by way of, uh, Assassin's Creed. But, uh, aside from that, what I've been watching, the main thing has been House of the Dragon. I mm. finally got to check out the first and second episode. I think there have been three by now. So I'm not caught up with the rest of the world. But uh, listen, I was very skeptical. Coming out of Game of Thrones, where everyone was super obsessed with it, including my wife and I. And then that last season ended up being such a tough pill for so many to swallow. I remember I didn't have as polarizing an opinion on it as a lot of others did. But I did kind of see it like, you know, the, this mighty series kind of ended on a bit of a whimper. And when they announced that they're trying to develop all these different spinoffs and prequels and Naomi Watts is going to do one and this is it. And you started hearing that, like, you know, some were going to survive development hell and some weren't. And there's all these different ways they could go with it, but it's getting really expensive. I started getting skeptical. I'm like, what if they do all this? And no one really cares anymore because people were so put off by right. the way Game of Thrones ended. And what if this is more like, you know, what Fantastic Beasts is to Harry Potter than it is to some kind of other like monumental television extension of a private right. IP? You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, this could either go really bad or really well. And uh, I'm very, very happy to report that through two episodes, my wife and I are totally hooked I was grabbed within like five or 10 minutes where now I'm like, I was so happy to now be back in Westeros to be back in that realm and know now that I can look forward to going back there every Sunday. And we're going to get a few seasons at least out of this show. Cause the numbers have been ridiculous. So nah, they did it. They did it. They made a very, very interesting prequel to game of Thrones that has me totally bought into the characters and the intrigue and the arcs. 
And uh, yeah, so House of the Dragon has totally Very cool. won me over through two episodes. Very and that's really kind of all the time. That's all I've had time to watch other than wrestling. But I'm not going to get into wrestling stuff right now. It's been a crazy uh, week in that. Regard. Yeah, I've been seeing yeah. tweets. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> None it's of it just, makes any sense to me. But yeah, no. <laughs> it's full tilt chaos in all elite wrestling just at the same time that WWE is finally getting its act together. So it's all very very interesting yeah but uh but yes so that's what i've been playing and watching and now it is time to get into uh one of the juicier superman on film updates i've had the pleasure of sharing with you right here on this show. It's, it's so juicy in fact it deserves music man love you Yeah, theme music to accompany what I'm about to share with you folks, because over the last few weeks, I've been hearing all kinds of really interesting whispers, many of which I didn't really even want to believe because it's uh, there's been so much back and forth and stop and start with DC rumors for the last six years. I don't know what to believe anymore, but in the last two weeks or so. I've been led to believe that Henry Cavill is going to be returning as Superman and that we're going to be finding out more about that come October when Black Adam comes out. So it's funny because it, it seems to kind of go in line with what we were discussing last week uh, on the last show. Remember I was talking to you about how Jason Momoa said that Ben's back and he right. didn't seem to just be talking about that little uh, cameo that he'd already revealed right. uh, a couple weeks prior on Instagram. I said, this seems to be of a slightly different nature. He's saying Ben's back and he's saying it like in general, not just for this. Yeah. So in tandem with that, it would appear that David Zaslav and the Brain Trust at Warner Brothers Discovery has decided that for the sake of continuity, for the sake of building a cohesive, coherent, shared universe, rather than introduce an all-new Superman, they seem to want to bring back Henry Cavill. They want to bring back Ben Affleck as Batman and keep them there in the wings as the DCEU's Superman and Batman. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's a big, uh, full stop yeah. right there. All right. Uh, Brett, let's just start there. Cause I really am believing the rumors and I'm going to add some, some of the stuff I've seen that kind of has me going down a rabbit hole of like, this could really be happening, but just based on just hearing that, what are you thinking, Brett? Now, listen, uh, we've, uh, we've gone over this like so many times we've been talking about it for so long. Yeah. I'm happy to see. <laughs> I'm happy to see Kevin back in the role if he is. Um, I'm happy to see more Ben Affleck's Batman. Like I, I really like them, and I, I wanted to see them in future projects. And you know, when you really think about like the shakeup at Warner Brothers and what's going on, if you they do want to continue this, they they do have an established you know Justice League. So I think the smart thing is if you can get the guys back, which it looks like they are, um, I think that's a great thing. Keep them involved, and you know they can kind of do like a soft reboot. It's not even like a soft reboot. It's just like, I, I don't think that we're going to be continuing the path and storyline that Snyder kind of put forth, but 
you yeah. have both of them in place and we can just have some future adventures with them with you know our wonder woman our aquaman and well we'll see what's gonna happen with ezra miller because that's still you know i know oh that was the thing i guess we never really got to cover that he like kind of apologized and went to the studio yes. and he's getting help now so i mean that, that we're covering it now so we'll see though if like he really is going to exist behind this flash movie and uh you know also like how much that movie is really going to reset now and how much that's yeah. really going to change things. So there's a lot of moving parts, but it seems like the smartest thing is otherwise, yeah, you are starting from, from zero or you have to, you know, you're keeping Gal Gadot, you're keeping Jason Momoa, you're keeping Ezra Miller, and then I have to have some weird explanation as to why there's a different guy playing Superman and a different guy playing Batman. Um, so yeah. it, 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 it seems, it seems like a good move. I think it'll make fans happy. It's kind of like a half measure. Hopefully people, you know, you know, people that are diehard Snyder fans are just happy to have, that cast back and are cool with just moving forward maybe some different stories than what snyder was going to tell because as we get as we know those weren't necessarily the most popular that wasn't necessarily the most popular path for these characters yeah. to go on um but i think everyone did really enjoy the actors yes i agree so now let me add a little bit more uh other interesting breadcrumbs out there that make me go hmm um hmm. aside from the fact that some reporter friends of mine and people who do still very much linger in those scoop circles including people whose opinions i really value uh they're all telling me like no it this is not just some wide-eyed crazy internet rumor it all the like the word on the street amongst anyone who's following or anywhere close to warner brothers in dc lately is that no? They they want themselves some Batfleck and some Cavill Superman, uh, and we're gonna get into the Black Adam trailer in a little bit too. They they seem right. to have a thing right now about um, continuity and once again establishing that this is a shared landscape that you know includes a lot of different DC characters. Um, but for now, you know, so, some interesting things that were recently brought to my attention. So Aldis Hodge, who plays. Uh, Hawkman in Black Adam on July the 13th. All right. Only about this is less. This is less than two months ago. He posted from the Warner Brothers studio in Burbank. He posted on his Instagram a picture of himself in front of the Warner Brothers, uh, you know, water tower thing. And he says, just knocked out some post work for Black Adam, putting on the finishing touches as an avid comic book lover who's seen damn near every superhero movie, I can confidently say that Black Adam is beyond incredible. Y'all that ready. So he brings up the comic book lover thing, all right? Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is the very next day, somebody tweeted out from a coffee shop in Burbank, just met the actor from Superman at the coffee shop. As oh, if the, he was just there. So it, this is another thing where like, so Henry's in town. They're doing post for Black Adam. We've already heard rumors of Superman right. being in Black Adam. You know, listen, I know some of this is a little bit, you know, me ch as Charlie Day in front of a board, you know, connecting yeah. dots. But I'm not the only one, you know, between what certain reporters and journalists and bloggers are starting to put out there and what fans are starting to connect along with stuff like my old buddy Nick Farina pointed out where he seemed to be in town when Shazam was filming also with his hair dyed extra black, which he only does when he's Superman. You know, there's lots of different reasons to think that 
maybe, just maybe, this thing is going to happen. There was even a quote that I read from uh, from Dwayne Johnson where he's talking about Henry, which we know he's sometimes he's been a little non-committal about Superman. He said he wants Black Adam to fight Superman, and that they're kind of you know reverse engineering everything to get to that fight in a way that that right. was like the 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 first kernel of the idea was fans really want to see this fight. So how do we get there? Um, but aside from that, when it comes to who's you know playing him, he you know he, he said something once like you know well we'll see who it is you know it all depends right, right. on who plays him. But there's an interesting thing where in July Johnson was speaking to ComicBook.com, and he said, "I will say this: I will say that Henry is a buddy, and he is a phenomenal Superman. He is a phenomenal Superman." And Henry Cavill is the Superman of our generation with respect to the other Supermans of the past. Every time I see him, we have some tequila and I say, this guy is Superman. My longtime business partner and ex-wife, Danny Garcia, has been a passionate advocate for Henry Cavill and his career for a very, very, very long time. It's funny. It sounds like he's almost overhearing about Danny talk about right. <laughs> Henry's so great, but uh, but yeah. So it, it was interesting seeing that quote and that he said that in July also when right. this post was you know this post production work on Black Adam was happening and Henry himself was spotted there at the coffee shop in Burbank. So I'm telling you, I'm I'm starting to really believe it. People who I trust and find credible are starting to believe it. So it's just crazy what a difference a regime change can make. You know, because if you would ask us a few months back if we were going to see Batfleck ever again, the answer would have been hell no. You know, if you would ask a few months, even I think on the last episode of the show, I was casting doubt on whether or not it's going to be Henry because there had been rumors that in the post credit sequence that does include him, uh, you actually hear the Williams theme, which I wonder if like if they're right. gonna do something like that though, where like 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 they did on the Joss Whedon Justice League, where yeah. they put the Christopher Reeve theme on while Henry Cavill's on the screen. I don't like that. There's a cognitive dissonance that occurs yeah. as soon as you do that to me. Like I get it. You're trying to say, like, well, Henry's playing Superman, and this is the most iconic Superman mm -hmm. theme. But no, he's got an iconic Superman theme yeah. composed by Hans Zimmer and give us that one. But then again, I also know, like, I can't get too hung up on that because I remember when there was a Shazam, like, video clip that aired with the, this kid uh, playing with action figures. He had a Superman toy and another toy yeah. and he was humming <laughs> and people lost their minds yeah. getting pissed off because again, Shazam is set in the DCEU and if that's their Superman, you know, so, you know, all of that considered the last time we spoke, I'm like, I don't think it's going to be him. But I honestly think now it is. <laughs> I'm really kind of convinced that it is going to be him. I just hope that they don't do the Williams theme because I feel like that's going to make that's going to muddy the waters. It's going to feel like just some sort of weird mismatch again. And here's the one sort of bitter pill to swallow, though, because right. in both of these cases, it doesn't seem to be that either of these guys is getting like a solo franchise. 
you know, they're not bringing back Batfleck now so he can make that Deathstroke Batman movie he wanted right. to make. You know, they're bringing him back because they need someone to be that elder statesman, Bruce Wayne, Batman, mm -hmm. for when they want to do any kind of DCEU crossover stuff. A Batman who could pop up in a Flash movie. A Batman who could pop up in an Aquaman movie as he apparently is going to. A Batman who could show up and you know, where, where Bruce shares a scene with Clark in some other situation. You know, th these are these two actors are going to be asked to appear in more than likely larger crossover style stories, things along the lines of the flash, things like that. You know, we are unlikely to get solo films and with bad flick, I'm cool with that because we've got Battinson. So right. if I just have bad flick around as the veteran guidance, the Nick Fury of a new justice league team, I can hang with that. But when it comes to Henry, you know, it's it, it's a little bittersweet unless they are going to let him continue his art right, and tell right. more stories as Superman. Because in that particular case, he would not be competing with an alternate version of Superman that's already launched, you know, as Batflick right. would if they tried to have him make his movies. So I would say with Cavill, I, I imagine, you know, there's more hope than with Batfleck that he would get his films. But at this point, you know, it just seems like this would be to establish that there is a DCEU Superman. And as of this writing and as of, as of this moment, it is still Henry Cavill, which we were saying even when P Peacemaker came out, where, you know, they omitted certain characters from the big Justice League cameo. At the right. End, but they purposely left in a Henry Cavill looking Superman. Right. That the was a even back then that like. Yeah. This, you know, they're, they're still willing to say that this is our guy, you know, and yeah. with Johnson calling him the Superman of our generation, you know, I'm like, I would love it if Henry could really grow into being that, you know what I mean? Because I don't think he's there yet. He's like one phenomenal movie away from being that Superman, you know, that right. generational Superman. Um, so, yeah, I... Uh, any closing thoughts on the possibility yeah. of, of, of both Batfleck and Henry coming back? So is this whole shakeup at Warner Brothers really what Dwayne Johnson meant when he said the hierarchy of power <laughs> of the DC universe is about to change? Because he I'm wondering it. if he, he knew all along. Um, yeah. Well, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing, I mean, <clears throat> um, I think it's I think it's cool, like you said, to bring these guys back. And I think I could live if they didn't do uh, uh if Ben Affleck didn't do another solo Batman film. Yeah. But it does seem like a damn shame to not have another solo film with Henry Cavill. Um that said, what's going on with this Tanahisi Coates script now? Is that still gonna happen? Yeah. Are we gonna have a Battinson situation where we have we do get another Superman in its own little solo thing? And then I mean I'm cool with these again, this is going back. I feel like this is deja vu, dude. <laughs> like it's like I, I'm cool with the little pocket universes that are not connected and then having one connected one. Like I am cool with this idea. I mean, if you're not cool with this idea, look in the mirror and ask yourself why not? You're getting the best of both worlds. Um so and and I think it I think there's a smart way to do it where it's not confusing. So I mean, yeah, there's there's that question that comes up. Then also like, you know, okay, having them pop up here again in like a crossover film in a flash film and an aqua film but it also seems damn shame we're gonna get ben affleck and henry cavill back we're not gonna do another justice league film you're gonna bring yeah. the whole crew back and then not do another justice league film you're just gonna have them pop up here in the other solo films 
So there's yeah. some of that kind of seems just like, uh, I mean, it, it does seem like a little bit of, of a half measure. Um, but hey, you know, listen, uh, I guess I'll take what I can get at this point, you know. I also feel like money talks, right? So if yeah. Black Adam is the runaway success that Dwayne Johnson seems hell-bent on making sure that it is, if right. it's one of these movies, it comes out in October and similar to how Venom did in that release window, right. runs up a tally of almost a billion bucks, uh, I think they're going to be able to green light whatever they want out of that yeah. universe. You know what I mean? Including whatever plans Dwayne wants to do with Superman, because like, yeah. let's say black Adam is this big runaway success. And the big thing that people keep talking about afterwards is, yo, did you see that Superman tease? Oh you know, yeah. You could see the people at Warner brothers discovery going, all right, there's a lot of yeah. buzz on this Superman. So maybe Henry's worth a look again to give him like a Man of Steel too. Yeah, you, you got to so imagine that this if if this movie Black Adam does well, that also just gives Dwayne Johnson even more power and influence as well. Yeah, it seems yeah, like he yeah, has yeah. a certain a decent amount now too. But yeah, yeah. That, the, the more the more, like you said, money talks. The more that his that his movies do well, the more he's been able to kind of direct things the way he wants them. So exactly, yeah. you know, so. It's an it's an exciting time to me. It's kind of an unexpected time, but uh, for now, like you asked with the Tanahisi Coates thing, I'm not hearing anything about that. I kind of get the sense all of that is on the back burner as they're trying to, you know, the as the new leadership and this new team that we heard about a couple of weeks ago that's been assembled to try to put together a 10 year cohesive plan for the DC universe that spans movie and television. Uh, it seems like those people are trying to like simplify things too. I feel they're trying to like, you right. know, I feel like there are a lot of different pocket universes and I feel like they are probably, they probably already are very aware of the fact that listen, look, we've got a Batman that exists on his own and a Joker that exists on his own. Yeah. Are we really going to introduce another Superman when we've got a functioning Superman? You know what I mean? Like, and sure, but then give him the make the damn movie. But, you know what I mean? Make like the damn movies. Zaslav came in. Remember, listen. One of the first things he said was like, "You got Superman. Yeah. Why is this character Languishing. floundering?" And it's it's, yeah. it's it's fine to have Cavill and then put him in these crossovers, but like, you need you need to have a solo Superman film. So, yes, I mean, do. at the very least, I think we got to get Cavill that solo Superman film. Ben Affleck could just, yeah, like you said, be the elder statesman popping in and out. Yeah. Maybe we get a world, hey, or you could do a world's finest. I mean, hey, there's I some mean, potential there. You know, maybe yeah. maybe they'd be down for that. But Cavill, if you're bringing him back, you got to give him the solo film. And you what would you think of this? In other interviews, he sort of alluded to the fact that, like, he would love to go back and tell a story that picks up from where Man of Steel ended. Because, yeah. you know, he always felt like Man of Steel set him up to go in an interesting direction. And instead, it just turbo jumped straight to BVS and the death of Superman and Doomsday and all that other stuff. He would love a chance to be like, let's go back to where Man of Steel left the character and what happened next. If that was day one on the job. What's day two look like in a way, you know? And I right. wonder if, like, if, if, if with everything that the Flash is going to attempt to rejigger with the multiverse and have Supergirl be the one who dealt with Zod and Feora and all that. Yeah. Remember, there's all kinds of weird stuff that's going to happen in the Flash to reset right. things. 
I wonder if by the end of that, somehow we'll be able to like have a Superman who's in a place where now Henry could take over and tell a story that doesn't have to do with BVS, an alternate path where rather right. than him meeting Bruce Wayne next and all that going on. Now we just continue on from what ha- his initial sort of debut on earth, you know? Right. I, I think that's something that certainly, certainly could work. I mean, I mean, he's as 10 much, years older now, but he yeah. is, that's the thing. He is 10 years older. And though like, you know, listen, I know some people loved what happened in, in Batman vs Superman and justice league. Some of us were kind of like, eh, on it, but there, there definitely was a change in the character and some more character development. So it also seems like a shame to throw that away and go back to right after he snapped Zod's neck and then have to go off of that. Like, it seems like he, he kind of, you know, the way that even the, the the Snyder cut like presented it is like he he came back more heroic, more ready to be the hero he needs, and and you know yeah. the Superman that we know. So I think I think you could still just go from that and still tell a great story because he they at, at the point he's at now he pretty much is the Superman I think that we've always wanted to see that yeah. we really wanted to see from the beginning. And um, honestly, that's that's one area where they're very fortunate. Because no matter which version of Justice League you want to continue from, both of them gave us a Superman that was more traditional and more recognizable. I know that yes. people have their their you know their 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 cringy opinions about the mustache CGI and some of the lines and whatever, but overall, both representations of, of Superman were embraced as being far more the traditional, recognizable, iconic. Yeah hero you know boy scout of old so no matter which way they want to go continuity wise henry cavill in both versions of justice league showed a yeah. more classic superman yeah so he and i'll say go it again. on from here i'll say it again the mustache thing sucks you know in the in the, in the justice league but <laughs> that opening scene with the kids videoing on the camera is the best modern superman scene written on film put joss whedon aside i know we hate him i know he's weird he's creepy all that stuff that is the best written and probably best performed superman scene on film in the modern era i'm saying i didn't get it the first time but yeah (laughs) really yeah i mean i'm telling you i i've come around on that scene i can watch it again and it gives me chills dude it gives me chills my my hand, my hair stand, stands on end. Um, those there boys is, are talking to Superman. You get yeah, it. Yeah, and, and his uh, listen, Cavill plays it so good, and I I just there's something about it. It's he, he's very like short, and then there's this beautiful like just beautiful like hopeful smile that comes death. out of his face yeah. at the end. Yeah, and it yeah. it says it says the world. You know, it really it really does. It's a I, I encourage you like if you just you might hate the lip. Go back, watch it, and try to ignore the lip. Maybe even just close your eyes because there is some <laughs> amazing – there's like just like warmth that just kind yeah. of comes out of that scene. And, uh, yeah. you know, Cavill deserves the credit. And listen, it, it is very well written. It's the most Superman freaking thing <laughs> like ever. Like, I yeah. don't know my opinion. It really is. It really is a wonderful scene. It's the only – maybe the only good thing to come out of that movie, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I, I I'll get burned for this a million times, but I think uh, Joss Whedon, you know, for all of the things he got wrong and did wrong, uh, I thought he wrote a very very decent Superman in Justice League. I gotta yeah. tell you, 
Uh, and I think Henry played him well, and Henry was kind of excited and hopeful to be able to continue now on from there at least. And home, he's been in limbo since 2017. Poor guy has not been able to uh, continue his redemption arc in now five years. But here yeah. we are, and it looks like the, the 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 countdown to seeing Cavill again is down to not very long because it's September, Brett. October yeah. is next month. So if all these rumors are true, that we're going to see Superman in Black Adam in some way, shape, or form, and that they're going to establish, it won't be a headless one, they're going to establish that it's Henry because Henry is coming back to be the definitive Superman of the DCEU, I'm going to be a very, very happy guy. Very, very Well, you might even be happier if it ends up not being a headless Superman cameo, but it's just his ass. And it's just it's just a big wow. Superman ass right on yes. screen, and it talks. It, the cheeks move like Ace Ventura, like Ace Ventura style. Yeah. yeah. But would there be a CG mustache over the ass crack, or like just for, just for fun? Or? Yes, there'd be a couple of uncanny valley like spots on the cheek where they would wobble in a weird in a weird unreal. <laughs> Great. Wavy On fashion. that note, yeah. speaking of Uncanny Valley and CG that is sometimes questionable, did you see the Black Adam trailer that arrived <laughs> Thursday savage during transition. the NFL? <laughs> yeah. That was a savage transition. Uh, I mean, listen, I, I let, let me just get my mind right off the bat. I enjoyed it. I, I think it's the yeah. best bit of marketing the movie has gotten along Agree. with the poster Agree. they dropped like a day or two ago. Like, you know, the, the it seems like the marketing is finally hitting on all cylinders and we're, we're getting a sense for why Dwayne Johnson is so excited for this film. And it listen, I think it has potential to do great, great things. Yeah. But there were definitely some times in the trailer where, you know, it looks a little video gamey where he's kind of teleporting around a little bit. And I'm like, the CG is not quite mm -hmm there yet and i know we have a little bit of time to still polish things off before the film comes out but i feel like that was my one big bitch was that the cg every once in a while was like oh he just became a cartoon for a second that's yeah. going to be a problem if the he's a big rubber that. boy <laughs> rubber gummy yeah. bear man yeah. i don't want that but uh but aside from that i thought it was a really cool trailer a really interesting way to position this character, this idea that his power is born of rage. And right off the bat, this is someone who lost his son and the son sacrificed his life to save his father. And, you know, right off the bat, it, it positions him as a very different kind of hero. You know, a lot of the other heroes and origins. <laughs> oh, you don't say. Seen. Yeah. <laughs> well, you I know, Mario, like I don't know if you watched I don't think you really watched oh, it earlier because if you, if you really watched it, yeah. he's not a hero. Okay. Oh, he yes. never said he was a hero. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, definitely this was the best showing of it so yeah. far, a hundred percent. Yeah, there's some shoddy CG. Uh, I also hope, like, I know it's probably just recorded for the trailer, but when he's like, "My son sacrificed himself," I was bored. I'm like, "Stop reading the cue cards, Dwayne." <laughs> like, <laughs> he sounds like he's straight up reading from the cue cards. Um, you know. The thing is, I, I think the movie is going to do well because I just think you don't underestimate like The Rock, <laughs> like Dwayne Johnson yeah. can he can literally do anything. He's the guy sells fucking tickets. The movie looks like it's going to be a spectacle. Um, I just wondering if it's really going to have the heart and the depth that I'm hoping it does. I, I'm yeah. 
I'm nervous it's going to come up a little shallow and just kind of just be a, a, just a big spectacle. So uh, I, I think I think it's fair to say that a, that is a lot of his films are, are very much like a big spectacle. They got the quippy one liners. Listen, they're fun. They're fun. You know what I mean? They're yeah. fun. There's a lot they're of spectacle movies. Yeah, they're popper movies. And, you know, listen, I, I, I my opinion is I think this is going to end up being a big popcorn movie. And yet, listen, maybe that's going to be fine for like a lot of the audiences. But, um, you know, I just I, I want to this is kind of like even though this was kind of started being made under the old regime. I to me, this kind of feels like the real big intro into yeah. like this next era. This is um, DC putting a fresh foot forward finally. But it has some, it, you know, it was made under the baggage of the old one. So yeah. I know maybe I'm expecting too much because it was made from that. But this, to me, it feels like that. And I'm, I was hoping that, or I am hoping that it, it, it comes in with a little more, a little more depth, a little more, you know, gravitas. Um, and I'm, I don't know. And none of these trailers have really showed me that yet. Um, but they certainly so it looks it looks fun and, and big and, and booming, you know. So yeah. yeah. Well, like, you know, you hear about the tragic, powerful origin. You know, you hear the whole thing about his son sacrificing his life, yeah. and there's some visuals to that that look almost very sort of like oddly enough, like Zack Snyder's Three Hundred. Uh, yeah. And by, by the way, it seems like uh, Jamé Colette Sarah is that the guy who did it? Uh, also cribbed. Don't ever say that to me ever again. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know, the floating body image of his son mm. looks a lot like when Clark is floating in the ocean after uh, rescuing the oil refinery people at the beginning of Man sure, of Steel. Sure, sure. Um, when he's flying there next to the jets and he's out in like the desert, it's also very Man of Steely there. Uh, again, it made me just want to see these guys fight, by the way. I'm like, oh my God. Look yeah. At, he has such a Superman vibe, but he's dark and stressful and rageful. Yeah. Imagine him and Superman going full Super Saiyan on each other someplace. Yeah. That would be crazy. Um, like. But then th there were two things that jumped out at me. One is minor, but it, I guess the rumors that went around that we even mentioned and now mm -hmm. we need to, you know, uh, discipline ourselves. Uh, we mentioned <laughs> on the last episode the rumors that the film was going to actually gonna jump from, like, ancient Egypt to, like, the 1950s. Uh, but it looks like it actually goes straight to the modern day. The justice society that he deals with is a justice society that operates in modern day. You know, it, yeah. the, there's lots of modern technology. There's lots of, like, this is not the 1950s things so yeah like those jets we were like not 1950s jets <laughs> like not those at all. were like modern and there was jets. a thing where like the mansion that dr fate comes from like the the, the ground is moving and a giant yeah. you know jet is flying out this is clearly whoever came up with that rumor was on crack it's not and, a rumor uh, it's not a rumor it's not uh, a it's rumor nonsense <laughs> now so yeah, uh so, so yeah oh. so that finally went out the window so now it's good to have clarification on the timeline, but even now in terms of the continuity, because on the last show we talked about is Black Adam in the DCEU, you know, considering they seem to be going with a head of Superman cameo that had the John Williams yes. theme and Dwayne Johnson has been somewhat self-conscious in the past of trying to share where Black Adam sits in the DCEU continuity and how it interacts with uh, Zack Snyder's old plans back in the day. So we were talking about that on just the last show, but smack dab in the middle of this trailer, who do we see? 
That's right. We see Amanda Waller, played yep. by Viola Davis, who has now played that role in Suicide Squad, directed by David Ayer. In Ooh, Suicide, the Suicide Squad, yeah. Suicide Squad yeah. directed by James Gunn. And in the very successful Peacemaker HBO series. Yes. So that means that this Black Adam is set in the same world as those other films. Yes, and if we're going to go there, who did Amanda Waller talk to at the end of the first Suicide Squad? It's Bat, it's Batflick. It's the yeah. Bruce Wayne Batman. That's who Jared Leto's Batman and Mar and Har and uh, Margot. What's her name? Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Robbie Quinn deals with in Suicide Squad. So this Arlo means Margie. <laughs> Batfleck exists in Black Adam. Henry Cavill Superman exists in Black Adam. So right off the bat, seeing her face <clears throat> worked right in line with all the rumors I've been hearing and all the stuff that makes it really seem like, oh no, this is they're they're going for a shared continuity again for the first time in ages dc is not relying on the multiverse conceit but is actually showing you here's a new movie that you know with a character most of the mainstream knows absolutely nothing about but we're mm -hmm. going to show you a character that's been in several other dc projects in recent years to let you the audience know that this is all part of one big story yeah, so i yeah, thought that yeah. was kind of a bold choice I thought it said a lot, and I think it works hand in hand with these rumors of exactly how much they they're going to be buddying up to the DCEU in the weeks and months and years ahead. Indeed. So, yeah, seeing Amanda Waller was like, oh, there we go. This is now in in continuity with all that other stuff. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they pick and choose and what they keep from here. But for now. Black Adam, as as to the question of whether or not it's in the DCEU, uh, we seem to now know 100% that it is. Yeah. Um, was there anything else about the trailer you wanted to hit on before we move on? Um, we had a, actually like a good shot, uh, a shot of uh, the Adam this time. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, actually, first... Let's talk about the Justice Society a little bit. Yeah, yeah we saw the Adam. Uh, we we've seen Dr. Hawkman Fate. a few times now. We've yeah. seen Dr. Fate doing a little stuff with his weird mask thing. Um, who else am I missing? There's like another. Did they show anybody else? I don't know. Uh, those those were the main three that they seem to highlight okay. real well. But they showed the Adam all big. And I was like, oh, cool. So we get, we're getting our DC Ant-Man, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be, that'll be pretty cool. So uh, our, our, uh, I've been hearing good things about Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate, by the way. And I think it is pretty cool. Having Pierce Brosnan enter the world of yeah, well, that's film. awesome. It's Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, having former <laughs> James Bond, Pierce Brosnan himself. Hell yeah, the Bond yeah. that I grew up watching. You know, he yep, yep. he's my Bond because that's you know when I was a teenager, the Golden Eye and all that. That's that's that was the thing, man. Yeah, that was like my first like real introduction, and then like from there yeah. I went back and I worked at a video store, so I went back and watched like every Bond movie leading up to, and then I've seen all the new ones too. So yeah. yeah. He was, he was good. So, all right, moving on from Black Adam, we got to circle around to a topic that we discussed on the last show when it looked like DC had found its Kevin Feige and apparently not so fast. Nope. Uh, Dan Lin, according to the trades, has dropped out of negotiations to be the central sort of figurehead in, the D in DC films, uh, to be the yeah. guy who's running the show a la Kevin Feige. 
Uh, we had a long discussion about him on the last episode yep. and the, you know, kind of what his qualifications were and his, his history with the, with the DC IP and how he hoped to kind of have a chance to redeem himself there. But as it turns out, they were not able to come to any kind of agreements. Apparently one of the big things was he as his own production shingle that has its own stuff in the pipeline, including projects for Disney plus, and they were not able to agree on a right price for them to also acquire his production shingle and what, and the property and whatever it is that they've got in the pipeline. So, uh, so Mr. Dan Lin is not going to be the architect. It looks like we're back at, uh, in the searching phase here right. of trying to find who is going to be that person. So, um, you know, I, it's, it's, it doesn't shock me again, that whoever is coming into this job has to make sense of all of this disparate stuff. And at a time when, like, again, it would be the easiest thing in the world. If you're going to be the one who's going to, like, make the, the the decisions and be in the hot seat when things go wrong, you're going to want to have as much control over the property as possible. Yes. You're going to want to be able to come in and call every shot. And this particular case, whoever is coming in is coming in on a train that is that is leaving the station, that that yeah. left the station years ago, and with other movies coming out that have their own agenda, like yeah. Black Adam. And they're like literally Black. jumping on a speaking train, <laughs> like they have to yeah. jump aboard and grab on, and then try to like redirect it. They're changing the tracks in real time. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it is. It, it's it's bizarre, uh, and it's like you know, I compared it to like you know, Kevin Feige didn't suddenly start unfurling his mcu plans once the at the ant-man movie came out you know right. he was there from day one he was there from day one putting this whole thing together so whoever comes in is not going to have that ability whoever comes in is going to be taking over a franchise that's already been pulled in several different directions and is now about to be kind of relaunched on the backs of black adam and shazam and the flash and all that so I can I I can totally see whoever is interviewing for this job feeling like this is kind of thankless and it's going to be really hard for me yeah. to make sense out of all this. But for now, Dan Lin is not going to be that guy. Um, and that means that Joker is not going to be one of his problems. Let's talk about this yeah. Joker sequel. Uh, there's been some interesting rumors coming out. Uh, we know that Lady Gaga is uh, pretty much, she's official now to play yeah, Harley she's Quinn locked, opposite yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. And they also added to the cast this week, they added uh, Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener, who is always great in everything she does. She is good. The last thing I saw her in was in Get Out, and she scared the hell out of me in Get Out. Um, but yeah, so she's joined the cast in a mysterious new role. And Ooh. while discussing the film, uh, you know, it, it people are discussing the film as if it's going to be not just a musical, but also kind of like a macabre sort of horror story in a way, too. It's going to have horror elements. They're going and Sweeney it Todd seems, with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It seems like this is going to be Phoenix and Gaga doing joker by way of sweeney todd and i'm so uh yeah i'm here for it i'm here for it i don't know what to make of it but uh just all those different 
elements together crack me up. Like horror, musical, Lady Gaga, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, Joker. All right, yeah. sure. Let's let's just let's see how that goes. Why well, not? I mean, you know? it really it makes sense. I mean, you know, obviously with with the title, you know, uh, Folie à deux, or however you say it in yeah. French, like that. So, like I've discussed this before when they announced it. This is like a real. This is a real like, psychological thing. Um, yeah, it is when two or more people join in a shared delusion. So it there is this when you think about that it's like okay Joker mm. and Harley fall in love and they're in this shared delusion and why wouldn't their delusion be this like beautiful macabre horror musical where like <laughs> yeah. people are you know maybe that's how they're seeing it but their people are really dying and getting hurt and and damaged in, in real life and there could be like a really cool aspect to it where you're seeing how everything how through their eyes how they see it and then it cuts and you're just seeing like some really horrific shit that actually went down but when they see it it's this like choreographed and the stage and then you're just seeing like it cuts back to like dimly lit hallways spattered in blood you know or something yeah. i mean maybe i'm going too far with it but I, there, there's there could be something really really neat with this so uh when they first announced it i was like okay interesting cool and then like the, it's just the more and more i think about it i'm like this could be really neat. Um, one thing I'll, I'll actually, what makes th this makes me think of is there is a show on, um, I think it's AMC or like AMC plus it was like their, I think it's their streaming service. It's called Kevin can fuck himself. I don't know if you've heard of the show. Mm, no. Um, it's, uh, with Annie Murphy, who was, if you watch Shit's Creek, she was the sister oh, on okay. Shit's Creek. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah. is her next project. So, uh, they're on the second season and this looks like it's going to be the final one. I'm not sure if it was only planned to be two seasons or if like, they were just like, listen, you could do one more season and you gotta you know, close up shop. But, um, the, basically the whole premise is half of the show is a, in front of a live studio audience sitcom, um, and the title is a spin on uh, Kevin Can Wait, which was like uh, like the King of Queens uh, guy, Kevin James. He had a, a show oh, yeah, called yeah, Kevin yeah. Can Wait that came out. That. So yeah. it, it's it's basically that. It, it's basically King of Queens almost. And so part of it is shot. And the actual camera work is that of a in live studio audience. There's a set. It's very brightly lit. There's really corny dialogue and little gags and jokes. And like basically she's married. To, they're from Boston. Uh, she's married to this husband who's just like a total just fucking rat, like the beautiful trophy wife that has to suffer with this idiot, stupid fucking husband. And then they have like the dopey yeah. best friend and his sister that he lives with. And the sister's kind of like a weirdo and a little more like like rough around the edges, doesn't open up. But then yeah. the other half of the show, like when when the husband leaves the room, all of the lighting and everything changes and it looks like an HBO like serious like drama. And it's amazing ah. what they do. There's this incredible effect, the way they pull it off. Like yeah. you know, everything changes. Like it's the same room and everything, but it looks just completely different. And then, and then there's like the serious aspect and like, you know, kind of the premise behind that show is like, yeah, she's, you know, making do with the husband and you know, whatever. And then she's like, kind of like, I, 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 my life fucking sucks. I hate this guy and I want to, I want to right. kill him, <laughs> you know? So like that's kind of thing. And when, if you watch that show and then start thinking about what this is going to be, it's like, oh, there's there, there's something because this show nails that. And I'm like, if the movie can do that, this is something could be really, really neat. So, yeah, yeah. It, you just kind of made me think about did you ever see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino? Mm -hmm. I love yes. what he did there when uh, DiCaprio's character was on the set of that Western. Yeah. And you could tell that when he as an actor 
was in the zone. Everything around him looked like he was in the Wild West. It looked like yes. the lighting, everything was like he was in it. He was in that saloon. It was immersive. like it was real. Yeah. yeah, it was real life. And then as soon as they go like cut and like he's out of it and he's back in his insecure mind, suddenly now you see the cables everywhere and you could tell it's just yeah. a set. Yeah. And you know, it's that same sort of idea of like that, that, that illusion that re, you know, you're, you're inside the character's reality for a second. Yeah. You're seeing the way they're living it. Ex and exactly. Now, and yeah, that and that's awesome. also Kevin can fuck himself like that's like you see it through her point of view and then like through like the like like the husband's stupid goofy view of everything yeah. and it is listen you, it, I'm telling you I watch the show me and Je my and, uh, my fiance Jesse love it yeah. and if they can do it as well as that there's there's something neat here yeah so well, if that's and, what they're gonna do just, you know yeah and just bringing it back to Joker too before we move on yeah just um. I feel like the, I I feel one sense of disappointment in that oh. title about it being a shared delusion, because I just feel like I feel like they're going to have to answer the question at the end of Joker that people yes. were you know people weren't sure of like well let's see was all of that in his head or is he in the asylum now because of what he did yes, yeah there was yes. some ambiguity and you as the viewer kind of like at the end of inception like did the spinner fall or not yes. and it was something that you as an audience you could you could argue about it one way or the other right here yeah. i feel like with the sequel we're going to find out one way or the other whether or not that was real you know so yeah when they yeah, first again. announced this, I had a, I did a solo episode, and that was like yeah. one of my things too. I said we're gonna they're gonna have to clarify some of what happened yeah. in the first week. Or hey, listen, maybe there's a really creative way where they can still keep you guessing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, you know something we don't have to guess about at all anymore oh. is who's gonna play Jonathan Kent on Superman and Lois. Uh, a couple weeks ago, all of us fans were caught off guard by the news that Jordan Elsass was leaving his role as Jonathan Kent, the, the non-superpowered twin son of Superman and Lois. And uh, now we know that they've cast a young Australian actor by the name of Michael Bishop. And what's interesting about Michael Bishop, because his credits are not altogether notable, so there's not even really any reason to go right. into them. And then again, I you know, I didn't know Jordan Elsass. I didn't know Alexander Garfin, who plays Jordan Kent. I, I didn't know either of these kids before they were cast, and I thought they were both great. So I don't really care so much about their credits. I tend to try to trust Todd Helbing and the other people running Superman and Lois to just cast this thing right. But if you look at him, he looks a lot more like he could be a twin with Alexander Garfin. He's got I just like looked him up. Early <laughs> darker hair, yeah. yeah. And the blue eye like to me he looks a lot more like he could be the twin brother of uh right. Jordan Kent. Yeah. You know? They look more He's they a look like they'd be more related. Match. Yeah, 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 he's a lot more of a physical match than Jordan, who was actually a little more blonde and with the preppy short hair. Like it didn't, you know. I, I, granted, I'm sure they wanted to contrast the two brothers, right? But Michael Bishop looks like absolutely the twin brother of Alexander yeah. Garfin. So I mean, now, listen, it's very likely you know, they they might change his look up so he doesn't look exactly yeah. like, him and they'll probably give him a yeah. haircut and stuff. But uh, you know, whatever. It, when I first heard this news, I, I think the Jordan uh, Elsass, uh, the original Jonathan Kent. I, I always thought he was the better actor of the two brothers. 
Um, yeah. So I was very disappointed to see him go, but yeah, hopefully this this uh, this new guy Michael Bishop is good, and I, I think it, I think it, it'll be fine. They'll stick him in. No one will think twice about it as long as the the show sticks to its you know what it's been doing because I think it's been doing everything really great. I yeah. think it, we can kind of move on. I'm not I'm not like uh, that heartbroken over it. My only thing is he had to be Australian. He better be good at hiding the accent because that's one yeah. thing. Like you know. I, I suck at that too. Like I, <laughs> as soon as I know that someone is foreign, I spend the entire time trying to hear where the accent <laughs> gets goofy. Like, you yeah. know, it, it sucks. Like it, you know, it pulls me out of the, uh, the reality of the scene. Yeah, and I'm sure. like, oh, I there that. was on that yep. word right there. That was Scottish. I heard it, you know, yeah. but either way. So, uh, they got an Australian guy. I can hang with it. Um, but now, uh, did you hear about this never ending story thing, Brett? That yeah. right now on the heels, your know, fantasy apparently has never been hotter. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, with House of the Dragon coming out and just and, and and crashing HBO Max, with Lord yeah. of the Rings coming to Amazon Prime and and the twenty five million streams, and it's the biggest thing they've ever done. Um, you know, clearly there is an appetite for fantasy, and. They are nostalgia. looking at the never, <laughs> yeah, and nostalgia, and nostalgia, and the never-ending story IP. Right now, there's like a bidding war going on, where the you know, the guy who wrote it, the guy who created it, I don't even think is alive anymore. But his estate, his kids, his heirs are currently yeah. fielding these huge offers and bids of millions upon millions of dollars for all these different people who want to, you know, get yeah. the rights and be the one who adapt. The never-ending story for you know for some sort for some streaming TV show. Yeah. And as soon as I read it, though, it's like you know sometimes you hear about certain adaptions. No, you hear yeah. about certain pitched adaptations, as refined people might say. And you're like, ah, that seems far-fetched. How are you going to do that? Or ah, that property doesn't really lend itself to that. But as soon as I read that, I'm like, a never-ending story TV series in a world that loves fantasy and a world that loves stranger things and a world that loves all this like 80s nostalgia stuff that's like a that's brilliant that's a perfect way to go and i'm also curious to see how willow does with that in mind too that's right yeah fantasy getting a tv adaptation but uh yeah never-ending story what uh yeah was that what was that a big one for you brett yeah i actually have a a deep love for never-ending story so um When I was when I was like uh, when I, a long a long time ago when I was a, a young a young lad, um, I used to always uh, make my mom take me to the library because you can get like you know free like movie rentals and we were like definitely broke when I was younger and stuff. So <laughs> uh, we go to the library and I would literally just like always take out Never Ending Story and Never Ending Story Two and I I must have watched those movies like a thousand times like and hey kids yeah. we had a VCR back in the day you got to rewind that shit you had to wait. <laughs> You can just rewind <laughs> chapters, but I—I yeah. I mean, I watched the crap out of those. I—I I love them. They're such a—it's a really, really cool fantasy world. There's a lot of really unique characters in it, and you know, back in the day, they had to use like you know just practical effects and all, like probably like Jim Henson creature creature shop yeah. and stuff like that. And um, 
no, it's listen, it's got the flying dog, Falcor. It's like one of the most iconic things ever. You know, they even spoofed it on Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a pretty iconic thing. I I, I try you. All, I mean, all these moments, I can still remember all of them. Uh the princess, uh the big when rock they do golem. The horse I mean, drowning into the nothing when they have the it's horse. The mire, drowning. yeah, the swamp. It's the horrible, mire, yeah. yeah. Like it's it's that's a nightmare. gonna be brutal when they restage that if they do but that I mean, story. It is just really cool. Like I was like, I was like, I, I would just wish I was like, I wish I could be that kid getting sucked into that book. Like that was like my dream. Yeah. I was like, I hope one day I'm going to open a book. I'm going to get sucked in and go on this like amazing fantasy adventure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean like it is right up my alley and it, like what they could do with it today with like yes. some real solid writing and, and uh you know, on a budget, you know, uh, it, it's a, it's a very, very cool, rich, unique fantasy world. So uh yeah, I'm I'm very excited to hear this news, and I really hope they can uh, they can make something special out of it, and it's not a dud. You know what I mean? Yeah, to me, it's an absolute no brainer. It's an absolute no brainer of, yeah. of an IP to adapt that way, and I hope whoever gets it does it justice. Doesn't just milk it for money. Hires the right creatives, people who understand and love the property, and can do it proper justice. You know, but yeah. either way. A perfect, perfect IP to adapt into a TV show, and I wish them all the luck in the world. Yeah. And uh, we're going to close on Ninja Turtles, much like how everything opened with Ninja Turtles. <laughs> we got we to gotta bookend it. So why don't you tell them, Brett, what, what's your Ninja Turtles rumor that's got you all excited? So there's a rumor that next year, which like it's probably not going to be next year. It'll probably end up getting pushed back because video game development uh but the rumor is next year we will be getting a triple a which means big budget probably developed by maybe a very well-known or hopefully a well-known successful developer teenage mutant ninja turtles game and i was like about listen these beat-em-ups are fine we're eating good the beat-em-ups yeah. are fun i love them but like give me a friggin' big open world you know, or or like even if it's not open world, like a like a cool action combat focused Ninja Turtle game where I can call up my friends. Now, um, as soon as they announced this too, I was just like the first thing I could think of. And listen, I'm sure this game is gonna be great, but we really haven't seen much of it and it keeps getting delayed. But Arkham I was like, Knight. I kind of wish Rock, wish Rocksteady, <laughs> instead of doing this Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, League game, yeah. was doing a Ninja uh, Turtles yeah. game. Because I know, and everyone always says like, oh, just stick it into the Arkham formula. Just stick. But like, you know what? That formula works good and it would work so good for the Turtles. I mean, even uh, go further, we have the Gotham Knights game that's about to come out in about a month. I think in October, we're launching Gotham Knights, which is made by WB Montreal, which is the studio that made the Arkham Origins game, Origins, which was like the prequel, yeah. and which is a very good game, and people shit yeah. on it for some reason. That game was awesome. I had great boss fights. Yeah. So they're making Gotham that's Knights, dope. and then I also yeah. thought, because I'm like, well, Rocksteady's not doing it. You know what? WB Montreal, I kind of wish this got, because here's the thing. Gotham Knights, I think because it is connected to the Batman IP, is getting shit on a little bit for not being exactly like, or is just like everyone's kind of looking at it like, oh, is it going to live up to the Arkham games? So it kind of has some some unfair baggage, baggage attached to it. Um, you know, and listen, I, I think the, sh it sh the game showed pretty well, but I've seen some people being like, oh, it looks a little weird and janky. We'll see when it comes out. But it's got a co-op aspect to it, and you could do two. It's only two-player, but it's drop-in, drop-out co-op online. And I was like, wow, you know what? Had they made this game as a Ninja Turtle game, I think 
like everyone would just receive it positively and they wouldn't have to have the baggage that it's kind of attached to right now. But again, those are two studios that have games. One's not out yet. One's about to come out. They're not working on this Ninja Turtle game. So I don't know who we don't, we don't have a name of a studio. I don't know who's doing it. Um, you know, the only other game I could think of in recent memory that was pretty good was a uh, platinum studio, uh, platinum games that does like Bayonetta. Um, they also do a lot of like licensed, like uh, games. They did a, a Transformers game and a couple other things. It's like every other like one is good. Like, the, yeah. but their series Bayonetta is like amazing, awesome action series. Like they did a uh, licensed Ninja Turtles game uh on the like gamecube era ps2 gamecube and that one was actually pretty good it was kind of a beat-em-up but it was a 3d beat-em-up and uh but you know it had some cool stuff. it had some skill trees some unlockables stuff like that but it was it was kind of shallow it got a little repetitive towards the end but listen an open world game ninja turtles where you could go in the turtle blimp fly around the city jump down you could use the the big van and you could like you know this and it did the i not yeah. that Listen, the Batmobile in Arkham Knight was like actually not that fun and got a little annoying after a while. They forced you into some shitty missions with it. But I want to drive the turtle. Yeah, I'm currently stuck on that, covers. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I want restarted to Arkham Knight a few months oh, did back. You? Yeah, that'd be awesome. I restarted a few months back on like hard difficulty to be like, all right, let me let me give this a yeah. shot again. Up the difficulty. And I'm in some mission that involves the Batmobile, and I've tried it like 39 times. Yeah. And I can't get through it. And I just said, screw it. I'm never playing this again. The, the tank combat stuff sucks. Um, I mean, I love driving the Batmobile, but then when you have yeah. to do the stupid tank and fight, it's like, it was like so drawn out and repetitive. And also yeah. like the weird thing about Arkham Knight, like I know it's not tangent, you know, they, there were no boss fights in Arkham Knight. They just completely removed mm. all boss fights. Yeah. And wow. it makes no sense when Asylum had yeah. great ones, City had great ones, then Origins came out, had amazing ones. And then Arkham Knight was like, nah, we're not going to do it. Yeah, I was good. like, how do you know that? Whatever. So anyway, that's the whole thing. But anyway, I hope this rumor is true. I would love it. Hopefully, um, I would love if they base it more off of the comics and it's a little grittier. Or even if they use like the original like OG, not not the not the second or third one, but the OG movie aesthetic could be really cool, like a darker, grittier um, Manhattan, you know, the, and maybe and maybe yeah. a little upstate New York that uh, that the turtles could kind of go in. Uh, maybe there, set it in the eighties. Yeah, and of- set it in eighties New York when New York was like a total piece of shit. Like yeah. it was like a total dumpster fire. The eighties like, that I would actually be. Yeah. yeah, that would be like. <laughs> The 80s of the Joker, you know, like movie with the yeah. Gotham, like is based off of 80s New York. Yeah. Like that's, that is, that's everything. Like, so, yeah. uh, yeah, like I know everyone's sick of open world, so I guess it doesn't have to be open world, but an open world won't be really cool. Or like they could ride on their rocket skateboards around the city. Like there's so many <laughs> cool ways that they could transport, like being able to switch turtles, like on the fly, being able to do co-op and do missions together and do like combo moves. Like we, we have the, we have the horsepower now in these systems to do this shit. Like, this could be a fucking awesome game. I just, I wonder who's developing it. And, um, you know, when they say it's coming in 2023, I mean, like, are we just going to get the first look next year? Has yeah, this been developed for a few years already? Yeah. Like, what's really going on? But, uh, listen, Turtles Turtles is proving to be a, a really hot franchise again. Like, it's very popular with the children. Obviously yeah. popular with the with the adult man children like me, like us. <laughs> like, I <laughs> okay. love my Ninja yeah. Turtles. So, like... It's it's crazy how that's that's like really yeah. come back. Cause listen, we've seen a lot of nostalgia things come back. Some yeah. of them been like eh, hit or miss. Some of them kind of came back and just like you know went back away. But the turtles, see, I don't know what it is about Ninja Turtles. It must be that their asses. I don't know. But some, <laughs> if you pause it, you see. If that you pause it, you see ass. that turtle ass popping out of the shell. I think that might be that might be it. But there there is something about these turtles. You know what I'm saying? 
Yes. And uh, on that note, there's something about wrapping up this podcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think episode 162, we covered an awful lot. We gave you over an hour and 20 minutes of impassioned fanboy nonsense. Over There's at least 30 minutes of talk about Ninja Turtles. And <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm not fucking at ashamed. All. At yeah, all. At all. But if you if you are ashamed and you would like to share that shame with us, you could send an email to the fanboypodcast at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter at the fanboy show, or you could follow Brett directly at SuperBrettCon or myself at Superman on Film, all one word. Uh, and let us know how ashamed we should be. For, uh, for talking about the turtles for over a half hour on this week's show. But uh, yes, uh, everyone, thank you so much for joining us this week for another edition of the fanboy. We have an ask the fanboy special coming up pretty soon. So do get some more questions into the inbox over there because we've already got some goodies, but we could always use some more. Yeah. And uh, until next you know what? time, I want to a little before oh. you sign off on the ask the fanboy. We do have yeah. a lot of great questions. We have we have like a ton of questions. Um, yes. What I also want to throw in there too, just because I think it's more fun for us too. There's obviously yeah. a lot of questions about topics and 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 the geek them. I'm cool with some like off topic questions too. Like if you're like, what is best sandwich or something like that. Like <laughs> I'm like serious. Yeah. Like ask us like some weird shit. I don't know. Let's get let's get let's get fun. Like we could talk about get weird. all the geek stuff. We will. But yeah, if you want to ask us like just like. Other things outside of what we normally talk about, I think that's cool too, and I would I would personally really appreciate those kinds of questions. I think that yeah. that's fun. I would love just to just don't ask. Yeah, about Go turtle ahead. ass. Don't ask about don't turtle ask ass. about turtle ass, and don't yeah. ask if we wear pants while recording because that's a very yeah. personal thing, and we're not going to go there. I'm not. But, I'm just not going to tell you. That's right. I prefer the mystery. <laughs> yeah. So until next time, be kind and stay fanboy. Adiós.